Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Welcome to Nurses Out Loud, Friday edition with Nurse Michelle. Um, Last week, we discussed domestic abuse in the church with a special guest that I had on, Pastor Jeff Crippen. And I hope you turned into that and listened to it because today I'm going to do part two on the same topic of abuse and abusers among Christendom. And I have that guest back with me again today. And we're going to delve into this topic a little bit more because we are approaching 2024. We want this to be a positive year. There's a lot of talk about how there's so much looming that may be coming our way that uh, I think it was Tucker Carlson who just recently said, you know, you are going to see a, a year like you've never seen before. They're going to be pulling out all the punches. So whoever the they's are, that are going to be pulling out all the punches. I think that they're going to be among some of the abusive people of the world that we have that are going to try and do as Pastor Crippen taught us on our last episode, last episode is what an abuser actually is always trying to do, which is to gain power and control. So whoever the they's are, whether it be in politics or whether it be in your medical community, they are always trying to keep control and make sure that they get Uh, out on top. So abusers are people that are going to be in every walk of life. They're going to be in every career. We all probably have maybe somebody even in our families that could fall in that category. We might have that one relative that we know is a problem person at every event. And I encourage you to find some friends that aren't blood relative that can maybe be your new family that um, aren't going to be treating you like that for the rest of your life. But we know that evil is always present and darkness is always present. And sometimes it comes out to us in such an obvious way that we're like, oh, that is obviously bad. When you see somebody beating somebody on the street in a public forum or somebody's doing a public hanging, you know, back in the old days when they used to hang people um, just because of the color of their skin. Those are the things we think evil is because it's so blatant and so obvious. But but I would. Uh, dare to say that some of the scariest things that are actually lurking for your children are the things that don't look scary or the people who look and walk and talk like perhaps a Christian. Um, I would go as far to say that the word Pharisee in the Bible is another way of saying somebody who knows how to walk and talk and act like a Christian and may even look like the best Christian there is out there, but they are full of dead men's bones and they are they are literally the ones who crucified Jesus and the ones who are going to do you harm. So I came to learn in my life that Pharisees may be the more dangerous people among us because they know how to, the way the word of God says that you're supposed to act as a Christian, but when they get behind closed doors or you cross their path, you har- you do something that messes with them, you are going to pay the price. So I want all of you to learn how to identify what an abuser really is, 
weed them out, find out who they are in your churches and help purge your churches. And let's see what we can do that as we're moving into this more corrupt society that seems to be on a downward spiral, at least the churches can start to be a place of refuge for God's people. So of course, I'm bringing back with me um, author, Pastor Jeff Crippen, and we'll have his books in the America Out Loud bookstore. And they are going to be helping and help enlighten you to the topic of a abuse, abuse in the church. And his four topics are, his four books are called A Cry for Justice, Unholy Charade, Wise as a Serpent, and Light for Dark Times. And we'll talk about his blogs as well that you can research and get some valuable information from to help you be ready. And some of you out there are married to the difficult people of the world. And what we're going to start off with, with Pastor Crippen, is defining what is a difficult person versus an abusive person. Welcome back, Pastor Crippen. Thank you, Michelle. Yes, uh, the problem with describing um, difficult people as difficult people is that um, they, it's an umbrella phrase, all right? To be, to say, for example, maybe you were, you've been taught in your church or you're taught in if you went to Bible college or something, counseling classes that well, there's lots of difficult people. Christians can be difficult people, all right. So um, they have uh, um, the problem with that is that while there are people who are difficult in the sense of maybe a person can be kind of stubborn sometimes. Or, well, I mean, let's broaden it out. We can all be difficult people at times, right? And right. there might be some people in, in your church or in your life that, that are a little bit more characteristically difficult. There's the person that you're going to have to go to and convince. It's going to be a little bit harder to convince or, or something, like, something like that. That's not the kind of person we're talking about here. Um, and it is a mistake to just broadly call um, revilers, abusers, sociopaths, and narcissists uh, difficult people. That implies that what we're saying is, well, those people can still be Christians, all right? They can still be Christians. They're just difficult. But in fact, when you start applying the proper terminology here, the biblical terminology, if you were to look up, if you have a little computer Bible program and you do a search on just in the New Testament on reviler or revile or something like that, well, you find out that such a person is anything but a Christian. And uh, that it would be the, the same thing with... Uh, with a narcissist, for example, uh, in Third John, the little, the little one-page, one-chapter epistle, uh, Third John, you find this guy in the church there that John's writing to, named Diotrephes, and Diotrephes, as as uh, John says, and he tells it to the whole church. He tells everybody. He says, "You got that guy there, Diotrephes." And Diotrephes loves to be first. See, that's that's a narcissist. He loves to be first. And he's ex exercising this power and control. He's putting these people, these believers, 
He's putting them out of the church and refusing to accept them as brothers in Christ. And he's dumb. And John says, you know what? When I come there to your church, I'm going to call attention to this guy. I'm, I'm going to call him to accounts right in front of, of the whole church. Well, obviously, Diotrephes is a much different person <laughs> than just a difficult person, you see. He's a person who has, as I, I we said in the earlier uh, part, of uh, he has a mentality of entitlement and superiority. His, his mindset, the paradigm by which he views everyone else and himself, is one of incredible, enti- he's entitled, and he is superior to others. And furthermore, he operates in everything that he does to obtain and maintain power and control that he has no right to then at all. You see, so so we're not just talking about it. You don't want to just say, oh, well, that person's a difficult person Uh, that we need to define what the sin is and be and be specific. Otherwise, it's this evil is going to go. It's going to go on being excused, tolerated and permitted to operate among us. Right. And and. Episode one with Pastor Crippen, we did discuss how he got woke up to this with a teenage boy molesting a five-year-old girl in his church. So you may be, you could be the parent that's actually raising a abuser or a sociopath or a narcissist, and there's need to know this information. And you make the difference, you call them raisins. So R-A-S-N, reviler that he just addressed, abuser that he addressed, sociopath and narcissist. And sadly, when you think about a sociopath, if you're like Nurse Michelle, who likes to listen to true crime, you might think, oh, well, that's just the criminals out there that are committing, you know, mass murder all over the country. And they're that's who they are. But they're actually not they're capable of it. They certainly have the capacity to do so. But the sociopath and the narcissist, knowing what their attributes are and how they manifest within the church setting is what he is opening up to us here. I'm not sure if you um, are familiar audience with the Sandusky. It was Coach Sandusky. He was actually um, having a special program for underprivileged athletes, if I'm not mistaken, underprivileged boys. And he ended up being an abuser of those boys. It uh, was actually molesting those uh, young men. I'm not sure how much you're familiar with that, Pastor Crippen, but that's a public figure that, you know, may, he's not a serial killer. He ended up being a serial molester. Yeah, and and the reason he got away with it for so long is because of his the persona that he wore. He was a successful, what was it, football, football coach, uh, and uh, there was a lot of money involved. Uh, there had to have been some of those boys had to have mentioned what happened to to someone and then it was just disregarded because it was too unbelievable i mean how you can't how do you put this guy sandusky's uh, outward persona that you see and know together how do you coincide that and correlate it with what is being reported about this perversion and this wicked evil and it's like my brain doesn't compute that and so 
as a result, it goes on and on and on and on. Right. I can't, exactly. I can't remember how he ultimately got called to accounts and convicted and so forth, but eventually he did. But after how much damage was done. Yeah. And then there was the case of Larry Nasser, who was the um, yeah. U.S. gymnastics coach who was molesting children right in front of the parents. Even the parents were literally thinking he was doing physical therapy with them and he was actually sexually harming the children, even right there in front of the parents. And then there's another podcast that's out there who I'd love to have on my show. It's Jimmy Hinton. He and his mother, Clara, have a podcast called the Speaking Out on Sex Abuse podcast. And they deal with the Larry Nasser issue. And um, it was his father who was a pastor for, if I'm not mistaken, 30 plus years. And Pastor Crippen here has been a pastor for 40 years. And that pastor, who was well-respected in his community, may have molested almost every child in that church over those years. And it was amazing what his son, Jimmy, is exposing, that this this um, pastor was actually grooming parents to find out who made the easiest, whose children were the easiest prey for him. He was aware of certain characteristics of some parents. And one of them was that when he was talking to the parents uh, after church, he would be looking to see if he, if, if the pastor touched the body of their child, like put his hands on the head of the child while he was talking to the parents, did the parents eyes look down to his hand touching the child's head and if they didn't, the next time he would put his hands on the back of the child. And if the parents still did not observe that, he would con- he would progress to fondling that child literally right in front of the parents, realizing this parent was more intent on being attentive to the speaker, which was the abuser who had, was able to capture their attention, that they didn't even know his own their own child was literally being molested right in their presence. So that as he progressed that child through the abuse, he would eventually say to the older child, well, remember, your parents have been there all along. They know this is the way I love you. So the, the, the mental games that he would play with these children was just unbelievable that his son, Jimmy, is exposing on that podcast so that the psychology world can actually learn better about the darkness of the wolf in sheep's clothing. Because more so than even some of the serial killers that I have had interest in, they they may walk and act like they might have some kind of bent toward corruption. You do not expect a preacher to be doing what this man was doing. So the wolf in sheep's clothing that's pretending to be Mr. Perfect is actually one of the most dangerous people in our society. Definitely. Absolutely. And they're and they are not rare. And I think that that's something that we need to admit that they're they aren't rare, that positions in the church, be it pastor, elder or whatever, um, are oftentimes targeted, you know, a. And an abuser, a pedophile, narcissist, every, that defines who they are. And essentially everything that they do, everything from the job, that the career they select, the car they drive, the clothes they wear, the hobbies that they pick up, everything they do is motivated out of that essence of who they are, be it a pedophile or in, in that form of an abuser or a narcissist who just demands this praise and worship of, of themselves. 
they're constantly constantly after it well the church the local church is like fertile ground it shouldn't be but it's fertile ground uh for them to operate in and they know it because why well um, i there's a i can't remember his name but there's a really good conservative talk show host here in oregon and uh, i heard him say one time you know i just i would never um vote for a christian in public office <laughs> and he said it's not because i have anything against them it's just this they believe in forgiveness and what he meant was by that he said he means false forgiveness they're, they're gonna let wicked people off and that and so wicked people know that then they come into the church and they start immediately their radars up let's see is this a good environment where i'm going to be able to operate and with impunity and, and and find victims and so forth that's where the and hey what better spot to be than the pastor right uh here i can have power and control and and i can i can be praised and so forth and i can have access i can know people's secrets and that that should like blow you away when you think about the roman catholic confessional booth oh you know, my and, oh man talk about having control over people that reminds me of the movie spotlight that was exposing the catholic sex abuse scandal of the priest over the 60s 70s 80s that got exposed and it was the Boston Globe. If y'all have not watched that movie Spotlight, it is a worthy watch because what they thought they were exposing was a local bad story about a local priest who was abusing children. And what we have now is millions of children all over the entire world because that church, let's say under the guise of forgiveness, that denomination decided to say, well, we'll, we won't depose him. We won't turn him into the law where he belongs. We're going to move him to another county, another area of the state, another state, another country, and continue moving this abuser around that that one abuser, that one priest, I mean, there was, there was, um, I don't know if it was thousands of the priests, but definitely hundreds who were sexually molesting children all over the world. And the victims are now, the population that we are living in right now, the generation that we're living in right now that have been literally, not only were they sexually harmed by somebody that was supposed to be a safe person. And that's true for the husband too. the husband to a wife is meant to be a safety and a refuge. And as strong as women want to be, I mean, I consider myself a strong woman. Ultimately, when evil men are let loose on a society, if evil men were to prevail in America, it is only going to be good men who actually are dedicated to the women and children in that community that are going to protect and be the barrier between evil men and, and the victims they want to grab and get a hold of running away with women, raping women and children that happens in war at all times. It is good men that we need to do that. So I'm not sure where you go with that particular thing, but here we are in, you know, in a church setting that we're dealing with people that are trying to get in and the, the belief system is forgiveness has to be the paramount goal. And the church that I'm in right now made sure I understood that one of my most happy answers they gave me was that if a pedophile was there, they they are if they if he's identified, he's not even allowed to be in that building. 
if there's a ministry for pedophiles, okay, go to that ministry for pedophiles. But the church can't be a place where he can roam free, where children are thought to be able to roam free and be safe as well, because that predator can't be trusted. He's got to have his eyes on. Other churches told me that when they knew they had identified predators like that in their church, a man was secretly assigned every week to him. And he had to be followed even into the bathroom everywhere he went. He didn't know he was being followed, but I respected that kind of rule because some of these larger churches will have more prone access to people like that, getting into the crowd and getting your child. And there was a show I did do here on America Out Loud where a mother in our church released her child during services and the church has like 2000 people and the child walked by herself through that church, out into the foyer, out to the bathroom, and didn't ever really return. And I later talked to her and said, do you think this is a safe place? Because it isn't. It's, it's not a safe place. You, you're going to have to stay with your child. We're in a, a fallen culture, and, and there's very likely a predator here. But how to identify them is the the trick. And the pastor probably is one of the first people that's going to come across that. What words would you have for a pastor before our first break to say how to know that you're dealing with one of these raisins well, to, to come to the admission to yourself that Satan appears as an angel of light. And that means that it doesn't matter how somebody is presenting them, how you perceive them, your perception could be false. And, and so our trust only extends, it should only extend a certain, to a certain extent. There always has to be this uh, admission that that this guy over here, and I, expect, I guess this would be a warning. If somebody is too good to be true, they probably aren't true, all right? So, so we need to particularly watch out for people who come and start flattering the pastor, trying to be your right-hand man. You might find out 20 years later that he never was and was just using you for evil. Yeah, that is a uh, very wise words to be able to say. There were some verses that we, he and I talked about off that I'd love to be able to bring to the public that you may or may not have paid attention to in the past or may have heard taught. And it is criteria for how to pick a preacher, how to know that this would be a good person for a deacon or a person in leadership. And it says in First Timothy 3, 3, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy, a filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. So the things that stand out to me on the subject of abuse would be, he's not an alcoholic, right? He's not given to, to, to wine, like he's given over to it. Not that he drinks it, but that he's given over to it. But the ones that stand out the most is the word striker and brawler. What would you like to say about those two words that are chosen for the word of God? Well, um, it it isn't a matter of you, you know when when God gives us these requirements such as this, it, his his word it always goes to the heart to the heart of the per person. So it doesn't mean I mean certainly if a guy is a striker in the literal sense of he's always picking fights and duking it out with somebody, all right, then that's which many domestic abusers are to their to their wives. But I think that that striker there, uh, you can strike somebody 
not only with a fist, but you can strike them with your words. And another word that is commonly found in scripture for this is a reviler. So a reviler is a person who vilifies an accusing, uses his tongue, his words to strike somebody, to, to do harm. And, uh, and the reviler, when, when, when you're a striker with your words, you can get away with it a lot more easily than if you're using your fist. And, and, and so you need to be aware, we need to be aware that, you know, I'm just not at ease around this person. Uh, well, if you're not at ease around somebody, you need to be sensitive to how you're feeling and, and say, well, well, there must be a reason. There's got to be a reason. Why is that? And as you examine that, a lot of the times it can be because you don't know what the next thing is going to be coming out of their mouth. You know, what? right out of the blue, a striker or a reviler can hit you with words just as if, where'd that come from? <laughs> and and even then, you don't really realize what's going on unless you're wise to it. Very insightful. Um, before we break, I'm going to drop his blog addresses real quick unholycharade.com and lightfordarkness.com. And when we come back, we're going to offer some suggestions for help and hope for the people who have been victims of abusers and some suggestions for churches with helping minister to the victims of abuse. Because it isn't uncommon, is it, Pastor Crippen, that the one who actually does the abusing tends to be the one who ends up still in the church and the abuse victim tends to be the one fleeing as the broken person looking for help anywhere she can find it. Correct. Yeah. Happens all the time. Yeah. And we need to put it into that. We need to be solutions for the the hurting of the world, not the ones that are um, coddling and making sure that the, the, the abuser feels all nice and forgiven and comfy back in our churches. So we'll be right back with that. Be sure to check out um, the America out loud dot shop for his books that are out, that are listed there a cry for justice unholy charade wise as a serpent and light for dark times and we'll be back in just a moment it's time and this is hey everyone nurse kimberly overton here from nurses out loud over time our cell signaling molecules diminished leaving us vulnerable to the wear and tear of life with the Sea of Redox, you can restore and revitalize your body at the cellular level. This is an incredible product that I personally use and can attest to seeing fantastic results, including better sleep, increased energy, improved mood, and a decrease in my joint pain. ASEA supports your immune system, enhancing your body's natural ability to repair itself. It promotes overall well-being so that you can experience a new level of vitality and resilience. It's time to take control of your health and experience the power of ASEA. Visit our online store today at americaoutloud.shop and use promo code OUTLOUD to save 15%. Be sure to tune in to Nurses Out Loud Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. 
Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Changing the world one person at a time. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Welcome back to Nurses Out Loud. I have with me Jeff Crippen, who's a pastor in Oregon. He's been a pastor for 40 years, and he also has a background in law enforcement, and he's a published author with books that are helping us know how to identify the abusers among us, abusers in our families, abusers in our churches, and to recognize that there is a role for each of us to be good discerners of, you know, who's in our midst, who who we letting our kids go over and play with, uh, who is dating our children. Um, sadly, we the nature of humans is to prefer people that look like they're successful, attractive, and things like that. And for those who are raising children still, I have three kids um, that are adopted, three that are biological, and I have three boys and three girls. And I have a lot of changes in the way that I started parenting after my daughter was a domestic abuse victim. So my family all watched us go through that hell because it was a living hell watching her have to be prosecuted by a church because the church did not believe that a girl had a right to be divorced for abuse. But if she did do it, she just had to stay single for the rest of her life or she would be living in a state of adultery. So the very topic about divorce really became a very big topic to me to understand myself. And I came to understand that really across Christendom and history, within the Christian world, divorce is a problem. And throughout history, um, getting women and making them your captive is also something that's a common thread that we see through history that men come in and conquer areas. And what do they do? They come and get the beautiful daughters of that area and they force them to be their wives. And there's still religions out there that believe that you can arrange a marriage for a 10-year-old daughter to a 40-year-old man, and she doesn't have any say in it. And we know that culturally, America has done what it can to try and let women um, have the value that God gives them. The world of America did do it in a corrupt way by trying to say, you know, women are equal to men. Yes, if a job is, she can do it, she should get equal pay for that job. That's not what we're talking about here. But we're talking about the idea that women, it's okay to subjugate women and that there is a philosophy out there among more conservative churches that 
if you have been unfortunate enough to get married to a man that beguiled you into believing he was this wonderful, good person, but when you get behind closed doors, you find out how dark, evil, and sinister he is. I mean, some women out there have been told or found out their husbands were into pedophile like porn. They were only uh, aroused by things like that, that they were maybe addicted to pornography and that it uh, transferred over into the bedroom and the harm of her. There's people who don't contend that a man who is your husband can actually commit the act of rape in the marriage. So when we're in those kind of um, thinking processes, the church actually has to be prepared to be able to address that. And you need to recognize that among these abusers, there is some affinity for these kind of people that are raisins, as Pastor Crippen calls them, which are revilers, abusers, sociopaths, and narcissists. They want to look good and they want themselves to look good. And it's not uncommon for them to be um, targeting beautiful women. And I think women are all women are beautiful. Personally, Um, I think that they just look beautiful to different men, men like different things. Everybody has different tastes, but we all know what we're talking about. We live in American culture. Every culture has this identified outward appearance that is viewed as the ideal looking woman because that's the one who make the covers, right? Well, these men are looking for those kind of women. And some of you are raising daughters that may be the Esthers of our generation that have always just been uniquely beautiful. And we need to be able to protect those girls and help them realize and train them in discernment so that they can know that maybe a guy is just pursuing them for their external beauty only and doesn't see their value and worth. And we need to be teaching girls that they do have value and worth. And that if you're in a marriage that is destroying you physically, emotionally, sexually, um, or financially, or any way that uh, he has listed in show number one, that you can be abused. And we should have him do that again today. Um, that you're, you're worth more than that in the eyes of God. This is not where the Lord wants you to be. You are in a place that is evil and separating from evil is something that's honorable before God. And we don't want to be showing messages to the next generation that we as a church or we as a people or we as mothers are willing to accept certain kinds of extreme abuses or bad abuses of any kind to our kids or ourselves that that our children become the next victims of the next generation. So welcome back, Pastor Crippen. And I'd love for you to start with that, uh, that definition of an abuser for the audience to hear that, what it is to be an abuser. And let's talk about some ways to help these abuse victims. All right. Um, Yeah, I was just going to pull that up in front of me here again so I can, oh, here we go. All right. My Kindle is working. Yeah, it is very important to um, know what abuse is when you're talking about it, because um, it's very typical for people when you begin to talk about abuse to not use the term properly and usually what happens is the term is minimized or it's only limited to uh well you know physical abuse if if somebody's abusing their wife if they punch them in the face or something uh but it's much broader than that so the definition uh that i state in uh the book unholy charade is abuse is a mentality okay have to elaborate on this a little a mentality you have to understand a raisin as i call them all right they don't think the way that you do if you're not a raisin okay if you're they don't think like us their mentality is different 
their mentality is one of entitlement and superiority. Entitlement. I hold title to everything. You owe me. I own everything. You owe me. And uh, I am superior. You're down here. I'm up here. And and uh, and so uh, entitlement, superiority, and it that mindset, as any mindset will, evidences itself in various tactics that abuser will use to obtain and enforce what? Unjustified power and control. That's what they're after. From the most evil Hitler-type dictator right down to the domestic abuser, they have a whole lot in common, right? They went to the same training university, uh, and and it's power and control, power and control. That's what we're. That's what they're going to have, uh, and so they use these tactics. Can be economic tactics, um, all kinds of tactics that they use, gaslighting and so forth. But but the abuser thinks that he is absolutely justified. It doesn't bother him that he's controlling and abusing his wife like, like he did. It doesn't bother him. He's justified, has the right to do you. I have to do this to you in order for your, your good, you see. Justified. He's justified in using those tactics to maintain his power and control. And abuse is affected in many ways, both physical, that would include sexual too, non-physical, verbal, and the reviler is a verbal abuser, a striker, and emotional, and it can be active or passive. Active in, I'm going to do this to you, or passive in, you're going to get the silent treatment for the next three weeks or, or whatever. And so it's not limited to physical assault. So when we're talking about abuse, that's what we're talking about. A person that, it, it, it really is... Uh, definable personality disorder and it exists and and here's here's the really damaging thing about it and dangerous thing it hides it wears a disguise that's why jesus said wolves in sheep's clothing sheep don't wear wolf fur right they don't disguise themselves but a wolf who wants access to the sheep, he disguises himself. The disguise can be, I, I think I heard Michelle mention earlier, she likes to watch the true crime shows that stuff. On you, I do too. I watch a lot of them. And it is incredible how these serial killers will disguise themselves so convincingly that they, I mean, one guy, I think he killed 56 women or something like that use the same thing and and uh, that disguise and so we need to face up to that yep that we're talking about deceivers wolves in sheep's clothing are wearing a mask there is a fake thing going on here so when i because of the thing that happened to my daughter i found myself um in a almost like a rescue ministry for a while where the lord just kept sending women my way all of them were either preachers wives deacons wives or somebody in church authority or in the in the community very well respected men that were the abuser to these women and when i first got them i would say okay 
So you're you're going to need a psychiatrist, psychologist to help you with the PTSD and psychological trauma that has actually happened to you. So you do need that. Your pastor's role may end up being that he's going to show you in the Bible where you might have actually contributed to your own abuse and make you feel like, you know, you're supposed to forgive him and go back to him. And most of these girls will say, oh, no, not my pastor. I'm telling you 100 percent of the time it happened every single time the pastors did guilt the women, made them feel like it takes two to tango. It takes two to be an abuse. What did you do? Were you nagging? Were you arguing? What were you doing that caused the abuse to happen to you? I said, but my role is going to be to show you that Jesus loves you. He's on your side. And that he's against the reprobate that disguised himself as a good person. And you know the truth of who he is behind closed doors. And he's against him. And um, and uh, your divorce, your marriage actually has been, and I, I, I took this liberty to say, your marriage really before the eyes of God is annulled by his actions. He has already destroyed the marriage covenant. It doesn't exist anymore in the eyes of God. And you are just waiting for the legal documents to be done with your state. Whatever the state says you have to do, you get that. You're free in the eyes of God to remarry and you are not you are not guilty in the situation. Well what I you know what I ran into and in saying these kind of things that that I would address them because I saw so many girls that were just so broken more so by the church. Um, is how to help the church be able to be a better help of the girl. And I think that the first thing was believing her, right? And like you've already addressed that, you know, addressing that this person could literally be a liar and as a beguiler because uh, he's a raisin and he's beguiled the pastor as well. But once we've got these broken females, for the most part, mostly females, not always, I think it's like 10% that are men that are abused by women, usually verbally abused, or, you know, sexual denial or something like that, that's happening in a marriage, what we can do with them in the church is, you know, it comes down to not imprisoning them to say, you're no longer allowed to get married. It comes down to the divorce topic, doesn't it, Pastor Crippen? Right. Yeah, it does. It, as you mentioned, the first thing we need to do, if you're going to help an abuse victim, uh, is, is believe them. And now it, it, people often come back and say, well, yeah, but there's two sides to every story. Um, isn't it kind of foolish to just believe that? Doesn't the Bible say somewhere in Proverbs that, you know, the first report seems true, but then when you hear the rest of the story, which it does, but we need to put some, it also says where there's two or three witnesses that a matter is confirmed. All right. Now, a witness doesn't have to be a person. A witness can be other kinds of evidence. And if you're wise about it, you can, first of all, one piece of evidence is the woman herself. There's witness number one, okay? Witness number two can be kind of like, well, let's think about how does he handle your finances, all right. Or in other words, does he can? Are you like in some kind of bond? Can you show me your checkbook or whatever? What go, what goes on with? So there's other evidence that can be corroborated. But no, you're not. The main thing for me in in just saying believe the person is first of all in all the what 13 years now in this ministry, I've only had a very very few. Uh, women that claim to be abuse victims that turned out to be making it up. Okay. And very, very few. And that, that will come to light down the road, but think about it. 
if a woman, for example, just wants to divorce her husband because she's got some boyfriend somewhere, but she's lying about it. And she, I mean, she just wants out of this marriage. I don't want to be married to you anymore. I don't want to be married anymore. I want to be free. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave. You know what? There's a whole lot easier ways to go about it than to come to the pastor and say, and make up all this stuff about being abused. Okay. That that's not going to, that that just doesn't cut it. So so I assume <clears throat> that they're that they're telling the, the truth. And then <clears throat> and then beyond that, there's just some hands-on practical things. The next thing is that as you determine then, okay, this guy, all right, first of all, you know there's a huge problem here. You know there's a huge problem. You've got the wife of one of your church members or your elders or whoever coming to you and saying this stuff is going on just in the fact that she's coming that tells you things are not as they seem over there and so now <clears throat> we need to deal with this and and uh, help her understand what's happening to her <clears throat> steer her towards some good resources that can educate her about look this is abuse this is what's going on in your marriage. This is what makes your husband tick. This is why he's doing what he, he, he doesn't love you and he never has loved you. Help her get educated there. And then practically, in addition to that, if she at some point determines that she's going to end the marriage, <clears throat> there, okay, um, are, you, are you going to then her husband out of the church. Okay. There's one thing that needs to be done. Don't validate him. And then also, uh, how about keeping her safe? Yes. I mean, murder happens in these things. Are yeah. you going to, are you going to protect her and enable her, help her financially? Cause usually the money is with the guy. Okay. So <clears throat> are you going to help her? So all, all of those things need, we need to be willing to take those burdens on and help them. This is a ministry right in your own church. Literally, instead of saying, I'm going to send that money down to the abortion clinic to help the, the pro-life people not have a baby be born, uh, keep a baby coming out alive. We have somebody literally in the church that may have two or three kids. She's got to support and the only, and she has no career now. She's got to flee. She has no ability to get rent, a housing, pay for her gas and electric and a phone. And um, my, my ex-son-in-law kept her title of her car even hostage. So, you know, you can't get even insurance for your car. You have to drive if you, if you can't present a title. So there's amazing ways that abuse can happen. So I love those. And we'll make sure to put in the show notes a list of some of these things that he already has that are in some of his resources that we'll just make sure you have access to. And the fact that he's saying, believe that is less likely that the person is lying. Your own conscience is sitting there telling you to be compassionate but your, your fleshly side of you is just the cognitive dissonance is, wait, I know y'all, this can't be true. This can't be happening behind closed doors. But all it takes is for everybody to realize, I mean, do you put on a little makeup before you go out to work every day? Do you put on face anywhere? Do you try not to, like, if you just had an argument with your husband before church, do you come in smiling still anyways? People are in the business of covering up the hard things in their lives. And remember, that's true for all of us. So the darker and more sinister something is, the more likely it is to be even more covered up, sadly. Right. I, I think that, you know, the 
these are the widows of our day. Yeah. If you look at the Bible and you look at references to widows, God has a real heart for widows. And he, he flat says, if you mess with a widow, I'm going to get you. Right. I mean, he just, that's it. And so, um, the you know, and I've dealt with some pastors and I, I say that to them and they'll say, well, no, no, that, that's not true because that's not, they're not literally a widow, literally. So here they are, like the Pharisees, interpreting scripture without the spirit in it. But they are the widows of our day. They have children usually, and they don't have money. They don't have help. Um, so, I mean, what a huge opportunity to for a church to have a hands-on help. To I mean, to really help somebody, you know. And your narcissist may have actually been the one that donated a, a, a couple of hundred thousand dollars for a building fund. The very abuser may actually have donated to the church the very money that can help save his wife. You just never right. know. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a. You have to be, be willing also, as you mentioned that, you have to be willing. You have to have the attitude. Well, okay, then. Take your money. Do you think that God is dependent upon your money to make his church function? Right. Uh, Abusive narcissist, just because you donated all that money. Yeah. God needs your money. No. So, in fact, maybe we ought to take that money and give it to your wife. Very you know, but, good point. Very good yeah, point. So, so the, you know, I'm in the homeschool community, so there's a lot of speakers that have gone through the history and made made a lot of news over some serious, extreme rules on women. And it's not uncommon to hear from some of those that are in that community and in the conservative churches, the more fundamental, the more independent a church may be, the more likely maybe that you may hear things like this, where a man, the, the, the preacher will say something like, if you ladies, if you come complaining about your marriage, we're going to send you right back to that marriage. That is a profound thing to say, because it's not uncommon to hear something like that. And to say that in those kind of churches, this is where preachers are elevating men, putting men only in authority. Women are not given any kind of position of teaching in any capacity whatsoever. And the exaltation of the husband in the house, the obedience to the husband, obedience to the father, this ultimate authority. But at the same time, a woman in that setting cannot speak any truth that may be evil about her husband and is certainly not going to get any support. It's it's like an oxymoronic statement to even say that because you're exalting and saying we believe men are in this amazing role. Well, an amazing role is to be Christ like that if, he, if he's a Christian husband, he's supposed to be Christ-like. And if she's reporting to you, complaining to you of something very bad or or that he's failing to pay bills or he's running us into debt or whatever it may be, it's the role of other men to go iron sharpen iron and go make this man accountable and make him account for what may be being testified to him. Discover if the wife and children are actually in harm. But to say that you're, you're going to send the woman packing, that is definitely what you call a not safe church for women. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, essentially becoming a cult because the, the, here's the power. You don't think we will tell you and you better obey or else. And that particular guy that that said that, that was kind of that one one example I heard say that <clears throat> is a is a celebrity pastor. I mean, they they're good. See, they're 
these raisin types, they're really good at gathering huge followings. They're really good at yeah. it. And I and like to go, you know, if you think about that, how big of a following did Jesus have? How big of a following did the Apostle Paul have? You know, at my first defense, no one stood with me. Uh, how big of a, I'd say this also to pastors along this line. You need to be really careful about how big your church gets. Because your job is to shepherd these people and to, to know them and to know uh, what what's happening to the best of your you get to a certain point up here. You've got this many people. Um, it, it, it just becomes increasingly an environment where the wicked can hide and, and you don't know what's going on. So yeah, you brought up also to say to the pastors that are listening, are you subconsciously preaching? Uh, I shouldn't maybe say that. What would you like to say to the pastors on? What are you withholding from preaching from the gospel, from the word of God? because you don't want to offend some of these that are in the audience. Yeah, right. For example, uh, I, I can I can remember preaching a sermon uh, once when we were in a different church, and, and uh, these long-standing people are, you know, they were, uh, uh, I preach a sermon on the 1 Corinthians 10, where Paul is saying about the Israelites and how they all fell in the desert. Only a couple made it in the promised land. And then he says repeatedly, these things were written as an example for us. These things were, you know, examine yourself. And I get this note, uh, anonymous, of course, afterwards saying, how dare you question our salvation? How dare you question that we're Christians? Well, that's something that a pastor needs to be doing. You need to challenge the people. Are you saved? Really? Are you really saved? Are you really, are you really born again? Uh, if you are, you will not be walking in sin. And that and also tells uh, the women, for example, if they're married to an abuser, if your husband is an is abusing you and he's doing that, this is who he is. This is his mentality and his action. He's not a Christian. He, he's not born again. And it, and it's just like those kind of statements uh, are almost like in the churches unacceptable. No, you you can't say that. Yeah, I but think the, we definitely do need to bring that attention to that, that we have church people do not make Christians or people that are convicted by the word of God. So that that's wise words to be said. I mean, all of us that are raising kids, we're raising up church people. We cannot make them, we cannot convert their heart. We can't change their heart. The Lord can change their heart, only can change their heart. And if their heart's been changed, we should see a desire for repentance or something in their actions. And that would be true for a spouse or a friend that's in the church community as well. Would you agree? Yeah, oh, definitely. Yes. Yeah. Well, that is wonderful. I guess we'll have to end there on that note. Thank you so much for being here. I'm going to have all his links to his books and his um, blogs, and you can listen to him live. You can listen to him on YouTube and get yourself empowered with this kind of knowledge to be the person that's possibly the one that's going to help in your church pastors. Take heed to his wise counsel. He's been doing this for 40 years. 
hear him. He works with these broken people. Be a solution for those that are broken in our community. And let's make sure the one that's not comfortable in your church is the one that's doing the harm. Thank you again, Pastor Crippen. Thank you, Michelle. Well, that's a wrap for part two with Pastor Jeff Crippen in Oregon. As nurses, we are trained to care for not just the body, but also the mind and spiritual health of those that we care for. Sometimes that may not look like anything other than just getting a religious person to come in and speak to the patient to help them cope with a medical situation or medical decision. I chose Pastor Crippen as a special guest for treatment of your spiritual health on an uncomfortable topic. As Nurse Michelle often reminds you, your fingerprint has never been here before and it never will be again. I do believe that Pastor Crippen is a one of a kind for this generation who never intended to be a person who works among the domestic abuse industry and is now a published author on the topic as it pertains to how religious entities deal with marital abuse and church abuse. Because yes, there is a such thing as church abuse and you may be surprised to learn that There are thousands upon thousands of church abused people right here in this country. It's not uncommon for those that have experienced church abuse to have either been a part of a very conservative, fundamental or independent denomination. But it is not, I repeat, not unique to that form of religion. It is also not uncommon to find among the church hurt previous domestic violence victims and people who are either divorced or remarried. You would think that people would lean towards sentiment of there must be a special place in hell for men who domestically abuse their wives. But sadly, it is the victims that are often ostracized and cast out of churches because they told the truth of the tragedies within their marriage and dared to actually divorce their husbands. I encourage the listener to examine your own heart on the matter and look into the writings of Jeff Crippen and discover if you are part of the solution or are you part of the problem for victims of domestic violence. We are in a war for truth in every aspect of our society, and it's time that professing Christians know where they stand on this issue and rightly divide the word of truth on this matter. It is more likely than not never been taught in your pulpit. Every church needs a plan for how to help the domestic abuse victims in your community. And no, the answer is not to pass her off to the state-funded programs. So be sure to check out the AmericaOutloud.shop and try the ASEA Cell Performance Powder Drink Variety Pack, Energy, Mood, and Mind, that will help you with needed energy and mood enhancement through this busy holiday season. Tune in next week to Nurses Out Loud. It's time.